Welcome to episode 90 of Auto Off Topic. What's going on, Brad? Not much, yourself. I'm your host, Andrew. And on the other side is Brad. Who you just introduced before you said who I was by saying what's going on. Man, why are you going to stomp on my style all the time? Because it's fun. And you stomp on my style all the time, too. So it makes it, makes it all worthwhile in the trying. end. Let's try trying something different. All right. Well, we didn't discuss changes, so you threw me for a loop. I did. Whatever. Uh, did you do anything? No? Did I do anything? Between the last podcast? I mean, I was on vacation. Yeah. So I didn't have any project car updates. No. Okay. I've been far from home, which a couple things we can talk about about that, but do you want to do project car updates first? Or? I don't know. If you did any car stuff, you can talk about that. Well, I went to Phoenix. Yep. For multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons you always go to Phoenix is to car a spot because yep. there's just stuff everywhere. Um, Montero's growing trees out there. Mm. They're literally everywhere. I saw two or three minty uh, short wheelbase first gens, a bunch of long wheelbase first gens, and a bunch of Gen 2, two and a halfs. Just everywhere. Yeah, because they don't, they never rotted away. Right. And because the Achilles heel of Montero is rust, mm-hmm. everything else runs forever because they're classically overbuilt. They last forever out there. So there's tons of them out there, and they're all in really nice shape, and I want all of them. Mm-hmm. Like a sad puppy dog, take them all home. Um, I did, however, meet up with, uh, two former guests who live in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Um, one who you remember who was on, I'm not going to remember episode numbers, but it was early on. (laughs) It was early on. It was, uh, Joshua Mead, Josh, from Adventure Driven Design. It was easily last summer. Yeah, it was a while ago. He was pretty early on. Yeah. And actually, Brian was as well. Um, the other one is Brian Driggs from Gearbox Magazine. Yep. Um, also from, what's the name of Brian's podcast? The Gearhead Project. Gearhead Project. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brian from Gearbox Magazine and his Gearbox Magazine podcast, The Gearhead Project. Kind of our sister podcast, I think. Yeah, I'd call it a sister podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a very good podcast. If you, It is very good. Yeah. One-on-one interviews, very, very good. Mm-hmm. If you feel so inclined to listen to somebody else, make it his. It's good. And other ones too, but today we're going we're to promote Brian. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I initially didn't know if I was going to be able to meet up with them in the week I was out there mm-hmm. because the week I w- weekend I was landing was the same weekend as Overland Expo West. Yep. And Which the- guests Mercedes and Andy. Yes, from a couple weeks ago. Yep. Yep, they were there. They drove down there from Oregon in their space tractor, yes. the Delica van, to Overland Expo West. Um, yep. So they were at Overland Expo. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Brian and Josh did not make it. Mm-hmm. So long story short, which you can hear about this, read about this all on Gearbox Magazine. Yep. Um, so just Google Gearbox Magazine and it should pop up for you. Um Long story short, Brian's motor was tired in his Montero due to a previous owner not maintaining it. Yep. Um, however, it was still chugging along, but it was just, it was worn. So he decided, and Josh decided, they were going to swap in a much better condition, lower mile motor. Engine, excuse me, Andrew. I can see your eyes twitching every time I said motor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they figured they would swap in a much better condition, lower mile engine in order to make the truck run more reliably. In a long weekend. Right, in a long weekend. So Actually, no, it wasn't it was a regular, a regular weekend. It was a regular weekend. Regular short weekend, yeah. So they did. 
Yeah. And everything seemed to go well enough that it got done in time. Yep. Fast forward to Friday night, and Brian is driving to Overland Expo West in his truck, and it puked its, what they thought was engine oil, all over the ground. Yeah. Um, was the transmission... Turns out it was transmission fluid. The input seal? Um, nope. Or, it turns out that it was just over full, and it was spilling out over the... It came out of the dipstick, dipstick tube? Dipstick tube, yeah. Oh. So I don't know if maybe they checked the levels when it was not running. Possibly. Or what happened exactly. It's, it's actually... It's pretty easy to overfill them. You have to be very careful. Regardless, them. it was over full, and that's why it puked everywhere. Yeah. Um, so they had to fixed well they, they thought that the input shaft seal had let go originally thought it was oil determined it wasn't oil thought the tranny seal had let go they're going to pull the motor out so both of them decided not to go to overland expo and they were going to fix his truck instead mm-hmm. so on saturday a week ago last saturday so the 19th of may i was out there and i was talking to them and they were like yeah we're both still in town if you want to come by the shop and check out what's going on so I said, all right, uh, we'll see how far away I am. So doing a little GPS action, because I don't know Phoenix. Uh, wanted to be about 40 minutes away. Yeah. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm coming over. So I headed over there and uh, met up with them. Got to see all their projects. Uh, their friend Keith, who's a Gallant VR4 rally nut, yeah, has tons and tons and tons of Gallant VR4s and parts. And they have at least two rally car shells and one beautiful street car. Mm-hmm. Um, and more parts than I would know what to do with. And they're all organized. Uh-huh. Like, it's like DSM Galant VF4 Montero Heaven. Mm-hmm. It's a warehouse that you could probably put 10 to 12 cars in with like five cars in it and just organized parts. Mm-hmm. Everything from dashes to body panels to it's just like there's so much stuff there. It's so cool. Um, so I met for the first time in person Josh and Brian, and by proxy, obviously, their friend Keith, mm-hmm. who owns the business that the shop is in. So um, they had just finished up realizing that they didn't need to pull the transmission again in Brian's truck. Cool. So that was cool. Um, and they had some free time. So I was out there visiting Naomi. So Naomi and I and the two of them went out to lunch. Yeah. And uh, spent a couple hours just chit-chatting with them, shooting the breeze. And uh, it was like I'd known them for 100 years. They're really cool nice. people. Yeah, so. I haven't, I haven't yet to meet them in person, actually. Yeah. I've talked to them so many times. Great guys, both of them. Yeah. Really great guys. So after we'd finished lunch, um, Brian had to go home to his family because mm-hmm. uh, he had obviously spent the past two weekends both wrenching on his truck and then trying to go somewhere, but winding up wrenching on his truck. So he figured, mm, maybe I should spend some time with my wife and daughter. So mm-hmm. he took off. What was that noise? Is that my dog? Sorry, that was my dog. Um, so he took off, and uh, Josh said he's going to go home and hang out with his um, girlfriend. Yeah. And he said, you know what? Actually, do you want to go off-road tonight? And I was like, do I want to go off-roading in Arizona, in a Montero? Absolutely. Cool. So I did. He took us to, I'm not going to remember the name of the trail, unfortunately. I could look it up and put it on, picture of it on with the name of the trail if somebody wanted to know where it is. Uh, it's in right outside downtown Phoenix. Um, it's beautiful. It's this very sandy, gated trail. And I guess the way it works in the Phoenix or Arizona area is the trails are gated. 
Yeah. But you pay a fee every year, and they give you the code for the gate. So you open the gate, go into the trail, and close the gate behind you. Mm-hmm. That way they can maintain knowing who's out there legally. Yeah. And they have a better idea of how many people use it and how to control it and how to keep keep it beautiful and not have it be abused by people who don't know the rules or care to follow the rules. Yep. So it's kind of an interesting system, and I guess it works well enough. Uh, also, it makes it so that people will know, like, what the limits are as far as vehicles go. Like, you can't go out there in a Cavalier. So if you have, like, a Chevy Cavalier and you're like, yeah, I need a code for the gate – they're gonna be like, nope, <laughs> that's not gonna yeah. work. So, really cool though. I mean, it's totally different than off-roading out here. No, it's super weird when you're out in the Phoenix area because you'll just be in a populated area and then look over, and, and then you're there's like one the... block away, and you're like, wow, there's miles of nothing. Like literally, the pavement ends. Yeah, and then it's just like a blockade, and then desert. Yep, it's amazing. Yeah, it's. It's one of the most cool places I've ever been to. I've been there a bunch of times, and I'm totally in love with the whole area. So, yeah. auto off topic will eventually have me, I think, satellite broadcasting from Phoenix or the Phoenix area because I really love it, and it's got nothing I hate about New England like cold and winter. So, would you ride in uh, this truck, Goldilocker? Is that the one? I don't know the name of the truck. It's the gold uh, two. It's jet, the matching one to mine. It's the matching one to yours. And that's his. And he had just painted some like topographical like detailing I along like the bottom that. of the rocker panel and it looks really badass i'm like hmm it's really cool it's it, it makes it obviously an adventure vehicle like it's really neat looking yeah so it was really cool it, out there with the saguaro cactuses and you know the wild horses of arizona and the deep sand and then the rock faces and it's just it's a whole different landscape out here when you go off-roading generally you're just driving through trees yeah, and then eventually you'll come out in a clearing, and you'll like see you over a bluff into a, you know, off the side of the mountain or something. But out there, in the desert area, there's not a lot of trees, and you can just see all kinds of things. Ollie's making a lot of noise below the table, so if that noise goes through the podcast, I apologize. But he's got a bone under the table, and he's knocking it against the table. <laughs> no, I don't hear it. You're fine. Okay, good. But no, it was really neat off-roading out there, and it was really cool because it was like 20 minutes from his house. It wasn't like, you know, an all-day adventure. Like, we had, like, two hours. We went out there, did the whole trail, and drove back to his place. Hmm. And I, I need that. <laughs> I need to have that kind of access to things. Yeah. You know, his uh, he showed me his, you know, collection of vintage Mitsubishis, and he's got some neat stuff that I didn't even know he had built. So hmm. it's, uh, it's a real cool place out there with some real cool people, and uh, I can't wait to spend some more time out there and do more stuff with those guys. Nice. So that's Josh from Adventure Driven Design. They make Montero parts. Yeah. And they run the Adventure Driven Design forums, which is a great source for Montero inf- information. And Brian from Gearbox Magazine and the Gearhead Project nice. podcast. So, yeah, it was a good time. Arizona's awesome. Cool. End of story. Well, while you were away, uh, I got a bunch of stuff done on the glot. Because you weren't burdened by my projects. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I swapped in the radiator I was talking about. The radiator. Yep. Sounded like I said radio, I think. Uh, and the new fan. Okay. The fan required a little bit of wire splicing. Which is what you thrive for anyway. Yeah. It was two seconds done. Uh, it blows way more air. Works way better. I think the cooling problem should be fixed. Excellent. Uh, and then I was feeling extra ambitious. I've been wanting to swap this out for like 
five years, six years. For as long as you've owned the car. Yeah, so it's like 2011, so six years. Uh, it had that weird sumped tank mm-hmm. that the prior owner thought he needed for drag racing. and He may have needed it. He may have the way he had his fuel set up. Yeah. But, but with the way the car was wired, it wouldn't have run right anyways. Oh, well. But regardless, uh, it functioned properly. It was just very ugly. It was weird looking. It looked purposeful. Like you've seen some tanks, a lot of times you see them like a 69 Camaro drag car or something. Not something you typically see behind a Galant. Yeah, and I just had it painted black, so it just looked kind of weird. So I finally swapped it out anyways. I put a regular tank in that I had that Mm -hmm. I did a little restoration work to. Turns out I didn't, looking at the tank outside of the car, you would have never known that it was uh, damaged. Right, because it looked totally uniform. And perfect. Yep. But the car it came out of must have been rear-ended at some point, mm-hmm. and it pushed because the tank bolts the rear body panel. So after the car got hit and it pushed the bumper beam, it pushed the rear body panel, must have dead-centered it, mm-hmm. and it bent the tank ever so slightly. The weird thing was it, was it was such a uniform dent that you couldn't tell there was a dent there. Yeah. Yeah. So the studs didn't quite line up on one of them, and we just ended up, all the other ones lined up, so we just slotted the hole and put a big washer on it. And it's fine. And nobody will ever see it. And if you didn't just tell the world, nobody would ever even know. No. Honestly, it looks fine behind the car. You would never even know it was damaged. It looks like a totally normal tank. No, yeah. So It's not dented at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, you can't even see it. It's kind of like, remember the dent in the back of the Mirage below the trunk? Yeah. It was like perfectly dead centered and like a little crease. It almost looked like a body line in between the taillights. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so nobody was ever the wiser. I also had a new filler neck that I had on hand, so it was easier to cut the old one off because it's just a rubber hose. Mm-hmm. Put that on, so it looks way better. And you cleaned up the car while you were in there, got some crap out from on top of the tank, and yeah, made it look brand new again. Well, it's clean. New it's enough. a driver. Yeah. Uh, but I did also, I've been struggling to get the car to run right last year yep which is weird because it went all of a sudden from running really great to, to not running well I remember you thought it was related to your weird hks intake that you'd gotten well i thought because i just put it in with a the mass airflow meter that came with it mm-hmm. so that maybe that was going bad but because it kept throwing a check engine light but of course it's obd1 and there's no way to check it without the special uh, mitsubishi mutt computer right that only the dealer has or trying to do the um Going in with the service manual, trying to figure out how to like do the SOS signal with the check engine light, but right. that's a pain in the ass. So uh, you'd s- turn the car off and then turn it back on, and the check engine light would go away. Um, sometimes it would idle a little weird. Mm-hmm. The wastegate was definitely sticking. I fixed that last year. Mm-hmm. Then I went in. Um, it's just been acting up and strange. Like you end up with a, it knocks in first gear. And we'll pull timing and knock in second gear and pull timing. And it never did that before. And it would do it running stock boost level, which is weird. Which is definitely weird because it should just run normal. It should just run normal at 10 yeah. PSI on wastegate pressure. So, because uh, it used to run amazing on 15 PSI with just right. a wideband and that was it. So, why isn't it running on 10? And then I swapped out uh, a stock 91 DSM uh, ECU, ECU into it. Yep. And it was still running the same, which is kind of weird. But uh, finally, I was like, you know what? I'm keeping this car for a long time. So I sprang for ECM Link because the original computer 
was already socketed. Mm-hmm. Somebody had already replaced the caps, which doesn't mean that they don't fail again because the ones in the town, when I had that socketed and caps replaced, failed. Failed a couple years later. All right. I remember just, that. Just the way they are. It's super annoying. Well, a lot of it has to do with moisture, too, I think, doesn't it? It's just. Yeah. It's just the way they are. They heat. I mean, the, a computer lives in a really a car's computer lives in a really weird place. Yeah. Um, so I put the DSM link in it. It's still it was still kind of acting kind of funny, and I was like, you know what? I don't know. It didn't have the typical um, like signs of bad ECU stuff. Had this weird was, smell. No, I've never had one that smelled no. ever. Uh, I've definitely had ones that were like corroded under the caps. Mm-hmm. You can see it. You can see it. Well, it was like battery acid almost. <laughs> yeah. And this one, it looked slightly corroded. It definitely did not look as clean as the other ECU I was testing it with. So, uh, you can send an ECM link for a small fee. They'll test it. Let me know what's wrong with it. Give me a quote on fixing it. If it's simple enough, they'll just fix it and then charge you. Mm-hmm. Which hopefully it's just something simple, and then I just get an email. Yep, it's this, 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 and it's fifty bucks. Thirty-five bucks. Here you go. Yeah. So I send it off to them. Uh, I'm gonna have them check it this week, and hopefully it's all right. And then once it's back to a known being good, then I can go back and figure out what's going wrong with the car because you can actually run data logs and record them with mm-hmm. the ECM link and uh, share them with other people on the forum that forum is still very active which ecm link used to be called dsm link right yes okay so i have version two in the talon which is old now at this point it's very old yeah. it's over 10 years old uh and now ecm link is the latest and greatest latest and greatest from them so uh, i had to buy it was weird though because it only runs on like a pc mm-hmm. so it won't run on my chromebook oh really no because it's Chromebooks are like web-based stuff. That's true. It won't run on Android. Yeah. Uh, it'll run on a Mac. They but you don't have a portable Mac. I don't. Yeah. Uh, that see would you be out awkward. there with like a 25-inch yeah. monitor on the dashboard. Yeah. <laughs> so I bought a Windows 10 tablet for $50. Yep. Which, uh, it might work okay. I have to play with it a little more. It's like being weird because it's windows and windows is always seemingly weird no matter what okay to me maybe that's just me i'm not good with well you're used to using an apple product and then well you're not using an apple product using an android product so those are both super user friendly like a chromebook is kind of like it's it's almost it's not an android product but it runs just like an android based product does there's a lot of similarities to my chromebook and to my android tablet and phone so yeah, I don't know. They just th- that, those type of things just run simpler for some reason. Yeah, Windows is more complicated. Yeah, it's more powerful, I'm sure, but it's more complicated. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, we're not computer people. We don't really know this stuff. Like, we can run a computer, we can run the internet, but we're not like I don't super build my, computer savvy. Yeah, I don't yeah. build my own computers, so I have to figure it out. I'm sure I can Google it and see what's up with it. I'm right? sure we can find a friend with a little Windows laptop you can use. Worst case scenario. Yeah, or I can just wipe. Yeah, or they can wipe out all the garbage that's on that tablet yeah. just so I can run one program. It's literally all I need to do. Uh, so, yeah, I can run logs and stuff and record it. And, you know, maybe I have a coil that's, like, going weak or a weak injector because all these parts were used and mm-hmm. they're over 30 years old now. And you've been using them for the past seven years. Yeah. So it's not like... I did buy some 
fuel injector cleaner. I was going to run into that, so mm-hmm. maybe it'll free up the uh, if it's an injector or something. Which it also easily could be too, because the car sits a lot. So if something starts yeah, it sits to all gum up, or yeah. and even when it, even you know it sits all winter, but you don't drive it every day either. So it sits, yeah. it cycles a lot. Like it'll sit for a couple of weeks, and then you'll drive it, and it'll sit for yeah. three weeks, and then you'll drive it. So because it's, according to the wideband, it is idling incredibly lean. It was down like ten, right? No, that's that's rich. It was past the point. It was so lean that it didn't register on the wideband. Okay. Just that idle. Yeah, you have to strange. teach me that stuff because Super weird. Uh, car raiders and like just doing them by sound. <laughs> yeah, you can throw a wideband in there. It's super easy. Right. You should teach me that stuff because I don't know anything about it. That's way beyond anything I've ever it's, played with, to be honest with you. fairly easy. I know it's really easy and it's all based on numbers. So mm-hmm. either way, I would like to get a wideband one. They have ones now you can put it like a tailpipe. Yep. And then you can just run the gauge into the car. And tune the carb that way, which mm-hmm. is probably something I should look into investing. It's probably in. super easy that way. Yeah, it's probably something I should invest it in. It probably takes like ninety percent of the complication out of it. It probably does. So it's for like a hundred bucks. Definitely something I should invest yeah. in, huh? Yeah. yeah. And then you can get one of those little like vacuum gauges. Then you like check the vacuum mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Sinkers, carb sinkers. Is that what that is? A carb synchronizer. But you don't need that for a single carb, but something you have two carbs trying to work together. Uh, so you can have all of them pulling ideal vacuum or the same vacuum as one another. Yeah. But that's either way. I don't have any side drafts, so. Yet. Yeah. One day at a time. Well, anyways, I decided after doing all that, I was like, eh, why don't I do something you can actually see on the car? So you washed it. Uh, no, I did that a while ago. Oh, okay. We already talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> I freshened up the outside. whole episode about washing the glass. We did. <laughs> I freshened up the outside of the car. I got some replicas of the JDM graphics that go on the side mm-hmm. that are the cool 80s, 90s. Like, like a billboard. Yeah, we yeah. have to tell you everything that's in this car that makes it cool. Yep. So, and these ones, they had the think seller. Of, think of it as like the Honda VTEC sticker. Like all the, have it in the quarter panel or the rear door. They'll say like VTEC or IVTEC. Yeah. This is like that, only like to the nth power. Well, Talon has one too. Yep. Uh, so this one had, the seller had two options. You get one that said AWS for all-wheel steering, which is the orig- way the original was. Yes, it was. Or since my all-wheel steering was removed, all-wheel drive. So AWD. Mm-hmm. So it looks pretty cool. That's cool. Which I, I was trying to figure out. I was like looking at it after I put it on. I was like, wait, does the original say 2.0i? And then I was like, I can't figure out why it says I. Injected. I mean, you think it'd be two point. But uh, it's, it's 1988 when the car came out. But there they, was still a lot of carb cars in the market. But they put it like near, like where you would put the L. Like it's two liter. Mm-hmm. And then dual. Um, I assume it just yeah. means injected. Like two. It must be. Is a given. Now that, that we're saying it, that two two point is a given that that's the liter measurement. Yeah, I guess. And I for injected because the Galant VF4 came out in '88, and you could still buy a carbureted Mitsubishi in '88. The Mighty Max was still carbureted. The Raider was still carbureted. Oh, the Montero was still carbureted. Yeah, so, that's weird that it was like. I was calling it out. He used to have he, an emblem back of a Volkswagen. It said fuel injection, or a Toyota said fuel injection. But like it's it was, like it was an. A thing. It's like where the L would be. But again, it was just given. Doesn't the Talon one call out fuel injection too? No, it doesn't. What does the Talon one say? It's like, uh, I think it just says two liter 16 valve DOHC 
then all wheel drive spelled out. Okay, yep. Underneath it. You're right. Because that, but it's like. But no, the Japanese one says 2.0i as well. Yeah, that's why I looked at it. Yeah, I remember looking. I remember remember that from the past. It's funny because it's it's two liter injected, DOHC sixteen V. Yep. Intercooler turbo all drive. It's a lot of words for one sticker on the side of the car. That's all the all the cool things. It's like let's a book. All things. Yeah. Like <laughs> let's add. It's uh, funny though that maybe it should have ABS uh, air conditioning. Yes. Uh, radio. <laughs> it's funny actually. When I was out in Arizona, I was looking at Josh has a seventy nine Colt sedan. Yeah. In a metallic brown. It's not the same brown as my 80. It's a little more orangey. Yeah. Um, but on the back window, it says Mitsubishi air conditioner. It's like a thing that's called out in the back of the car. Huh. Yeah. Speaking of calling out air conditioning, but and I always thought it was cool they did stuff like that. Like the, the Starion had turbo all over it. You know, it's just like, what makes this car cool? Or the the Skyline, um, the, was it DR30? Yeah. Has a huge thing on the quarter panel that says like... You know, dual overhead cam, turbo. RS. RS, a Tessa rear wheel steer or whatever. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely a Japanese thing to do at the time. No, totally. So, I don't know. The car seemed kind of plain. I was like, oh, let me add this. No, it, it's it, easy to take off. So. And plus, why would you ever take it off? No, it looks good. What I think is funny, though, is that the manufacturer thought out to call out all-wheel steering on the original sticker, but didn't call out all-wheel drive. Well, that was... It was, um, was a given with the VR4, I guess, given maybe? with the VR4. VR4 was ABS, all-wheel steer, all-wheel drive. Right. But so that VR4 denoted that it was all-wheel steering, but they put that in the sticker, but not all-wheel drive. I don't know. And why the American one didn't come with anything other than the all-wheel steering sticker in the back window. Back window. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Very strange. Weird. Maybe they figured us Americans didn't want extra stickers emblazoning our cars. I don't know. Um. So the other thing, uh, that car was all set. I fixed a loose ground in the Montero for the engine harness. Okay. I did want to get the skid plates on. Speaking of adventure-driven design, I yes. haven't done gotten to that yet. We'll get to it. We'll get to that I next week. We want to do an install video when we do it too, I think, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah, we've only been talking about that for months. Yeah, anyway, uh, that's how things go. Uh, been talking about finishing Michael Lawton for months too, yeah. but here we are. Uh, oh, another cool stuff. My wife got her OZ rally wheels. Yes, they look really good. Mounted on our cross track. Huge improvement over the factory wheels. It changes the whole car. Yeah. It doesn't look like a standard Subaru anymore. It looks like a enthusiast-owned car. Yeah, because there's literally, around here, there are so many cross tracks, and they all have the factory black wheels with machine lips. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing her color more often than she has, so it's... um got to separate it. Yeah. Did you make a hybrid now, too? That just came out recently, I think. Because we have one on the shop that's already wrecked. Jesus. Yeah, it has like 340 miles. Yeah, those yeah. literally came out like a month ago. But it came in, and I was like, that says hybrid? I didn't know they made a hybrid. But yeah, it's a hybrid one. That now, wasn't so. even for sale when we looked at ours. Yeah, it's exactly the same car. has different wheels, which are also equally as ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the obsession is, what the inside like agreement is that every manufacturer will make black wheels with machine face like who yeah, decided that this was the style that people wanted who knows the same person that decided in 1985 to make all wheels angular i guess <laughs> it's just a weird industry trend and every manufacturer does it too it's not exclusive yeah. to any one manufacturer nope they all do it and it started in the aftermarket world too like I, yeah maybe like that's american cool. racing would do like that weird like 15 spoke wheel and paint it black and then polish the face off of it 
And maybe manufacturers are like, hey, people are buying these in the aftermarket. Let's just make them standard. Yeah, I guess so. But no, they're terrible. Factory wheels, I did when I didn't have them off, they had the Enki logo yep. cast in Yeah, Enki's a factory manufacturer. Yep. They make a lot of wheels. Bad they're so ugly. Yeah, well, they don't design them. Subaru designs them. So Yeah. Yeah, they make, they make a lot of wheels. Actually, side note, um, I had to order a set of wheels today for a customer's car. Uh, 2017 Ford Taurus with 19-inch wheels. Okay, well... Hold on. Let me yeah. guess. What year is it? 2017. What am I asking the question? What are you guessing? I'm going to guess how much the wheel costs. That was the question. How much do you think one wheel costs oh, okay. on a 2017? 19 inch, 2017. 19 by 7.5 Ford Taurus. That's skinny. They're not chrome. Oh. They're just boring, regular painted wheels. That wheel cost $750. Incorrect. That wheel cost $1,290 Whoa. each. Whoa. For a regular cast aluminum... Nothing fancy. Whoa. Ford wheel. Yeah. Wow. See, Lancer, non-turbo Lancer wheels mm-hmm. were 600 to $700. Which is still expensive. And a BBS or an Anki wheel for 1400 Yeah, they're like 1200 to 1400 yeah. each for an Evo. So this is a standard cast aluminum painted, not polished, not chrome. Jesus. Like doesn't include any TPMS sensors or anything. It's ju- literally just a factory Ford Taurus wheel. It's, yeah, 1260 or 1270 or something. It's made out of titanium? It's ridiculous. The insurance company, they called me, and they were like, what are you doing? I was like, that's what I need. <laughs> car's a brand new car. It's got no miles on it. we got to put OEM parts on it. Yeah. They managed to destroy all four wheels in the accident, so I need four wheels. Oh. That's, you know, $5,000 in parts, but it's not my problem. What, um, yeah, there was a thing lately around here. People were stealing Honda wheels. That's not lately. That's been going on since, like, 1992. I know. I don't know why, though. It's still a thing. Because the bolt pattern's the same for years. So if you have a five-lug brand-new Honda, and some guy who's less than desirable has a five-lug 95 Honda, he knows your wheels are just going to fit. Why would you want they, the, They're ugly black machine face wheels. Yeah, well, we're not the criminal that likes them, apparently. Yeah, especially the Accord Sport. That's the one that gets stolen all the time because they're like 19s or 20s or something. So weird. They bolt right on the old Honda Odyssey vans and the old Honda Accords and... And it's a hot market for them, I guess. Yeah. Well. Nissan wheels are a hot item, too. Yeah, because they're always expensive. Yep. Well, but anyway. Nobody wants to steal these Ford wheels because they're just boring Ford wheels. They're nothing special at all. Yeah, It's just garbage Ford wheels. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. scale project cars? Yeah. I have an interesting one for you as well. All right. I got a cool one here. Let's try something. I okay. this will work. You're going to make car engine noises over the podcast and pretend to drive no. around the table? No. No? I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm doing Are you trying something. to do a live video? Yeah. It's a little late because it's quarter past 10 on the East Coast, which I guess means it's pretty early on the West Coast. So maybe somebody will watch. Well, I should go to the right uh, page here. We'll you try. should probably go to the Auto Topic page, yeah. So what car are we going to talk about here, Andrew? What did you, what did you, what did you get here that you've now turned, turned the dark side on and purchasing 164 scale cars for more money than you should? Well, I've got the, <laughs> it's the Tarmac Works. Yep. Lancer Evolution 10. Yep. Pike's Peak Safety Car. Which is really cool for a couple of reasons. A, Tarmac Works hasn't done an American-based um, specialty vehicle yet. No. Nope. Like as far as race cars or anything go. And I mean, that was, it's a Mitsubishi, so it's Japanese, obviously. But it yeah. was run, it was a safety car for Pike's Peak, which is in Colorado. 
So it's really neat that they've kind of branched out a little bit with that, um, and their quality control has gone way up. Cause yeah. It's perfect. Um, it's really cool. And it's I also mean, cool because you saw the car that year at Pikes Peak, correct? Well, sort of. I actually I was only there for like two days, and I looked around for it. I didn't really get to see it. Okay. But I know it was there, and <laughs> it's kind of a shame that I know they I didn't... shared airspace with it. Yeah, it's kind of a shame <laughs> they didn't do more advertising with it. Yeah, it's really neat to like. Like they really should have pushed that they were the had the safety cars because they had this and an Outlander, mm-hmm. and it's pretty cool. But then I saw it later on at uh, East Coast MOD, yep. like actually in person. I have pictures of it. There. Yeah, I was there too. They had that and the Outlander. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. It was really neat. So that car is a one sixty fourth scale Tarmac Works. Yeah, I've talked about them a few times. I have a few different ones of theirs. Um, they haven't done a ton of old cars yet. Yeah, they have a few. They have the E thirty M three. Um. And I have an old EG Civic race car. And they just came out with Evo 5 or 6. Um, like a touring car. That's really neat. That They're mostly doing race cars, right? Mostly race cars. Few street cars. Yeah. Uh, the Evo is one of the only street cars they've actually done. I know. Kind of weird. Like out of nowhere. Well, I think that they're just... Uh, maybe somebody that works there is an Evo enthusiast. So they're just easy to get licensing from Mitsubishi. Uh possibly or maybe they sell cuz you know the rest of the world loves Mitsubishi. It's only the United States doesn't buy too many of them. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool cuz it's 164 scale. Yeah, so it's hot wheel size. But it's detailed, detailed it like a 118 scale car. I mean, it's <laughs> even got the uh, little AEM on the intercooler mm-hmm. and all the little decals on it. Yeah, but it's like a true 164 scale. It's not a hot wheel scale. Correct. It's not sized to a box. Yeah. I, one thing I like about them too is I love the print in the rear window, of the oh uh, yeah yeah um, defroster. Yeah, you can actually see the defroster lines. Yeah, which is something I've never seen in a 164 scale car other than anybody other than Tarmac Works. Oh, crankshaft culture. Any Expo LRV models? Um, Expo LRV. I don't have. I do have a Nissan Prairie, which is the closest I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but I think there is one of an RVR. I feel like we're doing like home shopping network. Yes, it's not for sale, people. <laughs> we're talking. About, call now. <laughs> so what, I have a really cool yeah, what one. What do you too. have? You so, got a couple. Well, I have one thing with me you have today. One? Um, so I was visiting with Josh from Adventure Driven Design when I was in Arizona. Um, I wound up spending, I don't know, a couple hours at least at his house after yeah. going wheeling, just sitting around, you know, chewing the fat, talking about car stuff, and he brought out a one forty third scale. Uh, 1917 Mitsubishi Model A. Yeah. That he'd got at the dealership. Oh, neat. And I was like, that is really freaking cool, and I need that. So I immediately went on eBay to see if they were available, and they were. Yeah. Um, but I put in a, like a search in my eBay account yeah. for Mitsubishi Model A um, because I was like, well, if I find one for even cheaper, I'll buy it when, it when it comes up. So then I got an alert for a Mitsubishi Model A that wasn't a 143rd scale that yeah. was in the United States. Not um, scale. It's a bigger scale. I'm not sure exactly what scale is. Maybe like a 124th, like model car scale. Um, and it is really neat. So it's actually history from Mitsubishi. Yeah. So the listing said a promotional model from Japan. Yeah. Um, from an ex-employee of Mitsubishi who worked for Mitsubishi's truck division. Oh, weird. And this is an all pewter. 1917 Mitsubishi Model A. Whoa. That was released for the 75th anniversary of Mitsubishi in 1992. 75th anniversary. Yep. So we just they just did the 100th anniversary. Yep. 
So this gentleman worked for Mitsubishi's truck division in the United States, and he used to do a bunch of trips back and forth to Japan, and somebody at the company gifted him this in 1992 wow. for his work for the company. So it doesn't say anything about scale on it. It's really heavy because it's pewter. Um, it has some Japanese writing on the bottom, and it says 1917. Um, but it's in really nice shape. Um, it's the, the centerpiece of my Mitsubishi collection now at the house that Jeez. I didn't even know existed. No. And I paid way too little for it, and I almost feel bad. Um, but it's really neat and a really cool piece of history. So the guy wrote me a little note in the eBay package. Yeah. No, that's on a little cool. thank you card. His name's Tom. Okay. And he goes, I'm just going to read straight from it. Hi, Brad. Thank you for your purchase. I hope the Mitsubishi model meets your expectations. I worked for Mitsubishi for 12 years in the truck division and received this as a gift during one of my many trips to Japan. I am glad it's going to someone who will appreciate it. Thanks again for your purchase, Tom. So in the listing, he says stuff about like 92 and 75th anniversary and all that stuff. So hmm. I'm going to email this gentleman back, and I'll show him pictures of it um, in my collection of weird scale Mitsubishi stuff and uh, find out what yeah. he did That's for Mitsubishi. Really Isn't it really rad though? Yeah. Like it's really cool and I didn't even know it existed and it's like if I knew it existed I would have spent way more tr time and effort trying to find it in the past. Yeah, man. Crazy. But, what are the odds though that it just happened to be on eBay? It happened up on eBay and it was like $19 which doesn't seem like enough money but I don't know what it's worth but to me it's worth way more than that because it's cool. Um, and I know that Mitsubishi released pewter cars of the Colt Gallant GTO yeah. and the Colt Gallant hardtop, 1972. Mm -hmm. And they're on like Yahoo auctions in Japan for like 300 to $1,000, depending on condition. Huh. So I don't know if this is from the same series or what, but it's really neat if you want to take a closer look at that thing. Just care what's the metal windshield. Oh, yeah, it's really heavy. Yeah, don't drop it on the mixing board or your Tarmac Works car. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy heavy. Yeah, because it's pewter. It's like I I I don't I don't even know anything about it. I know that it's cool, and he thinks it's for about 1992, which would have been the 75th anniversary, and it was given to him by somebody that's you know in upper management at Mitsubishi as a gift. Weird. Or a thank you for working there. So it's really cool. Isn't that cool? I had a hard time right, not telling you about that. I had to. <laughs> I nice. wanted that one to be nice. a reaction on podcast. So oh, he's cool. got my. Uh, that's a curbside, right? right here. Yeah. I'm about to lose my headphones because Ollie's all wrapped up in it. Ollie, what are you doing? All right. We're good. <laughs> but these, the little Tarmax work, that is a, um, it's, um, what do you call it? Resin, right? It's not actually die-cast. They're not die-cast, die I don't yeah. think. I think it's they're super light. Yeah. It, it's got to be resin. Yeah, I think they're resin cast. Which That's is probably a, how they make it so detailed. It makes it easier to get detailed. It also makes them more affordable. Yeah. Because it's way cheaper to resin cast. Yeah. So I was listening to a <laughs> super nerd moment. I was listening to an all diecast car podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were talking about the tooling cost difference between a resin car and a diecast car in yeah. 118th scale. And the fact that casting a diecast car in 118th scale can cost upwards of a couple of million dollars in castings. No, that was um, that was a Camden Tub. With, uh... Well, that, I, I first learned about it on uh, Live and Let Diecast. Oh, okay. Um, but the, that a resin car cost like a couple of thousand dollars to cast the molds for. That so. was the episode with the gentleman from Model Citizen. I cannot remember his name. I feel bad. Patrick. Patrick. Patrick Strong. Patrick Strong. Yep. Yep. So that's pretty cool. 
But okay. I got this from... Maybe I did hear about it there. I thought it was on uh, Live and Let Die, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. So many podcasts, so many people. Yeah. All talking about the same general stuff. It gets confusing. But I got this from Surplus Goods. Surplus Goodies. Surplus Goodies. Yep. On eBay. He's a really cool guy. I've talked to him a few Is times. He's the only supplier for these? He's the only U.S. supplier for Tarmac Works. Interesting. Yep. He's also getting all the other premium 164 skill cars that are coming out. Um, there's one from... Uh, yeah, it's called Mini GT. Uh, it's from the Mini Champs company. Yeah. They have a few cars coming out. Um, there's another one that's going to be a collaboration between Tarmac Works and Ignition, which is going to be a... Um, they're doing, I guess, a new Skyline, but yeah. there's a few different things coming out. But OM Karma says, uh, would never have guessed Mitsubishi would make a Ford model car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to remember that the same... that You know, in 1917, that... Mitsubishi was taking a lot of engineering ideas and cues yeah. from the American cars. Ford sold them a lot of rights to some of their product line back then in order to make more money. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of similarities. Like, you wouldn't know unless you really zoomed in on that grill emblem. Yeah. <laughs> that has the Mitsubishi logo there, not a Ford logo. All right. So, thanks for – we have a couple live listeners, so uh, we appreciate that. Excellent. I'm going to end this. And that concludes the live portion. And almost pretty much the episode at this point, because Yeah. But no. I'm pretty stoked on this stupid little thing. No, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um yeah, I hope uh Tarmac Works does some more vintage stuff in the future. Yeah, I think that there there's a couple there's a couple of things coming out that I've seen. Um and there's another line called Inno Inno sixty four, I N N O six four that's doing a history of Honda line. And they're doing tons of Civics from the 70s through the 80s and 90s. Cool. Of race cars, JGT, JGTC cars, mm-hmm. um, like uh, Mugen cars, SIs, different nice. specialty Honda stuff, which is really kind of neat. Which I'm not a giant Honda nerd, but some of that old stuff is really cool. And I'll buy some of those because I have a glutton for punishment when it comes to buying die casts. So, or resin casts in this case, I guess. But cool. Well, also, a scale project car update. What's that? Carry it on. Uh, I was gifted for my birthday. Oh, yeah. Um, the giant Lego Volkswagen bus. And that has consumed the last three days of my life after work. Uh, it's about halfway done. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's I haven't built a Lego in a very long time by myself, other than with my daughter. I've done a few, obviously. Um, Adult ones are really fun. Yeah, they're really neat. Uh, it's got a lot of working features. And like the seats fold down into a bed, like a real Volkswagen bus. Mm-hmm. And then the kitchen table folds down out of the way. And the doors swing open. Yep. And the pop top pops up. And the front safari windows pop open. Like It's, it's really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I was you know nerding out on everything about it. And there's a light kit you can buy on eBay <laughs> to light it all up. With nice. The headlights and taillights and interior lights. So I'll do that afterwards. Cool. Yeah, really neat stuff. Um, any events? Uh, well, Cars and Coffee just passed. Yep. Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee. Um, it's not official, official yet. Next one's in a month from now. Next one's a month from now. Yep. There's no date on it yet. Um, Do you want to wait then? Uh, we can tease it. All right. Um, there's going to be uh, a second edition of that particular Cars and Coffee at that coffee shop's second location. So what are they going to be like every two weeks? We're going to do every other week. Uh, Sunday is going to be the same as it's always been. Usually, probably the it's usually the third Sunday about or the fourth Sunday, depending on the month, of on a Sunday. Excuse me, the fourth Sunday of the month at the coffee factory in Salem, New Hampshire. Yep. They have another location. Um, it's in not official yet. Eh, it's not official yet, so I don't want to give too much away. 
But I think we're going to do it every other week, and we're going to do it on a Saturday instead of a Sunday so that people who can't make it to a Sunday event can go to a Saturday event. Because if some people can't make it any Sunday ever... But they'll be alternating weeks. They'll be alternating weeks, yes. They won't be back-to-back. be every other week. So say the first week of the month would be a Saturday event at the other location, and the third week of the month would be a Sunday event at the second location. So it's not going to be competing with itself. It's going to be different and something else to do. It's probably another... You know, it's probably 20 minutes away from the current location, so it'd be probably the same basic crowd, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, looking forward to that. We'll put up more information as it becomes official. Cool. Um, but big ups to the other organizers in that event. So, yep. Good times. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's uh, calling that a podcast. About does it? Yeah. You can, uh, I do have some stuff I've posted over on Gearbox Magazine blog so you just google gearbox magazine yep. it'll come up i've got a couple of things on the subaru a couple of things on the montero yep plus well, you can read brian's stories yep, of his read. montero <laughs> in his own words yep his uh epic weekend of wrenching to get that thing done a lot of montero content at the moment but uh we like monteros and that's why otherwise uh we are working on some other stuff to put up uh stay tuned for that i've got some other stuff I'm working on as always, you can follow the podcast on all the social media networks, the the big ones, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Off Topic Podcast on Facebook, Off Topic on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at Raced and Anger. Also, this weekend, I will be at STPR. Uh, follow uh, at Rally underscore updates underscore USA. Rally updates USA, but with underscores between the words. I will be posting rally photos to there. I've already posted a couple from... Oh, you worked for them? Yes. Cool. Working with them, yep. Yeah, whatever. Um, And I'll also be posting stuff on Open Panic. So check that out. We'll be everywhere. Yes. Um, Look out road and track. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe out a week. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, And as always, follow the podcast on all your favorite places. Rate and review us. Where can they find you, Brad? Uh, on my Instagram is tsiss350. Or if you want to just look at my straight up pictures, my Flickr account is just Brad DeSantis. Nice. All right. Have a good night. Keep your cars analog and aim for the roses. <laughs>